It's episode five. I'm already becoming a diva. Is this chapter five? Hello, everyone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to chapter five of Tops, Bottoms, and Side Pockets. I'm Sean Drowen. I'm Chris Murphy. And I'm Cody Gold, and we are so excited to oh. be bringing you this chapter. Yes. yes. You guys are about a third of the way done with the God. book right now. I hope it never ends. I truly hope it never the, ends. The day that it ends is the day that I end. Yes. I can't imagine. I can't go on. I won't go on. I refuse. <laughs> chapter five. I was just turned 21 when I fell in love with RDC. Wait, oh. two years later, Jesus. can we talk about the time jump? One you know sentence in. I feel like chapter four is kind of being like, this is what my life is going to be like. Okay. We've established, four. right? But you know, I'm the one who's like, you know... We went from one week for four chapters. <laughs> <laughs> yes! To now we are 21. Now, we, now we're a little older. Okay. Important to know. We met at a party pitched in riotous sex and hysterical frustration to which I had been invited by the presentation of a $100 bill. The host was not a homo. He was a whip-and-switch man who had enough money to become the center of a madly gyrating group of sex perverts, in the most abject sense of the word. I mean, that's like if we go out, that's what they call us, a madly gyrating group of sex perverts. Looking for one person to pay the tab. Absolutely. (laughs) To complement his house benefits... He had hired me and two professional lesbians as services in case his more affluent guests cared to indulge. I might say that there were one or two guests who were also confirmed homosexuals, but it must be realized that with these men and women, the danger of emotional involvement existed. Artie was 33, of tall, medium build, and no distinct coloring. He had a smooth, placid face and gentle mannerisms. Among the thirty people milling about the luxurious house and grounds, he was conspicuous by his apparent lack of enthusiasm. Until he spotted me. There were nine bedrooms in the big house, and Artie asked me to walk out into the garden with him. I went, utterly fascinated by the calm, sensitive, and gentle way he moved and spoke. Okay, I'm sorry. So, like... (laughs) We have explored a lot of gay fantasies. Mm. This is my fantasy. Okay, so mine was old Charlie. This is yours. Oh, this is like fancy rich house party being walked out into a garden mm. by a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years so, old senior. I just have to, you know, because like, we have the shower scene. Oh. Have, this is this is it. This, this is, is a classy <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> oh, I love that. I confess that I thought it was going to be a thing of hands and shy giggles. He hadn't even meant it to be that. He had recognized me at once, and we perched on a low stone wall, exchanging the subtle hints of inner appreciations and conflicts all homosexuals are fond of discussing. In brief, he had been married, divorced, and had played around the edges of my host's group trying to find some form of sexual expression that would satisfy his sensitive nature. I asked him point-blank if he had ever tried another man. It embarrassed him. I don't remember what he said because by then I was so desperately in love with him I was ready to faint. Further than that, my own excitement was a live, bulging thing my tight trousers merely emphasized. But it was nearly dark out there, and I'm sure he didn't see. 
There was absolutely no reason for me not to put my hands on him, or, in greater consideration, take down my trousers or make any kind of suggestion I chose. Oh my god, if Artie breaks his heart, I swear to oh, god. Oh, but we know. I just love, I really thought that Robin was going to be the, you know, the type that just falls for every guy that walks through the door. But honestly, he has discretion. He really, he chooses Well, when he's like, the when the means by which he makes his money is sex, and like, he has to so separate his professional and like, personal ways of engaging with sex, mm-hmm. it makes total sense to me that he would be like, ultra selective or ultra whatever mm-hmm. you know what I mean but when he knows he falls so hard so madly so deeply because he's ready to open up we all do though I mean, yes oh, oh, I don't speak for me honey we mm. all cried at the end of chapter oh. 4 <laughs> don't even don't speak for me I, I it takes think... me some time that's really interesting. I was about to say a sentence completely to the opposite. Please, I want to hear it. <laughs> which was say that, it. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any kind of love but love at first sight. Oh, bitch. What? Oh, Sean, the hopeless romantic. No, I'm I just like the us. cynic. Like, I think I'm corner. between the two of you because that's so um, not true. <laughs> <laughs> just to put it bluntly, like, not true. No, I do sort of agree. I've only been in love once and the... Was it requited? Uh, yes, it was requited, and we dated for three years, and we had a terrible breakup, which I'm sure we'll get into at this podcast at some point. But I will say, um, yeah, it was love at first sight, but... I believe in lust at first sight, obviously, mm-hmm. but love at first sight? I, you gotta learn that shit. I think it needs time to grow, and I think it takes time to grow. I think you Pretty know real. when you know, it, but... I do... I respect that Robin... Can go there. Be that vulnerable. Can be that vulnerable so quickly because I cannot even when I want to be. And that's something that... That's my personal... But what made you say that, though? That surprised me that you would say that. For me in general, the people with whom I've been in love, uh, it's been a very instant thing. And even if when it's been very lasting for years, um, and... I say with great naivety and awareness of the youthfulness of saying something mm-hmm. like this that I've been in love a number of times. Mm. Um, and for me, it's a very instant feeling that is then either supported or negated. Yeah. Oh, but... Okay, so, like, you fall in love and, like, whether or not that goes anywhere, you still consider it love? Yeah. Interesting. Um. Maybe. I don't, because that's not love. But. <laughs> <laughs> love must be requited. Uh. No, I don't think that love has to be requited. I just don't always... I oftentimes will look back and be like, oh, like, that wasn't love. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, upon reflection of, like... It was a perfect yeah. illusion. Uh, it was a... Me- oh, oh, we don't sorry, have rights! We don't have rights! Gaga, Gaga, we would love this podcast if you listen, so just, like, uh, give it a listen. Don't sue us. I've only been in love once. You've only been in love... And it was unrequited. It was unrequited. Yeah. Wow, so we have three different... Vastly yeah. different experiences with love. It was that kind of a party, and I was paid to entertain the guests any way they wanted to be entertained. I sat there like a schoolgirl and went prissier than I'd ever gone before. There he goes, going right <laughs> back into that female. He thinks like to hook up with another man is to is like, to be is to at least when he's like him. truly hooking up with someone that he cares about. Mm-hmm. When he asked me about myself, I suddenly discovered all I could do was cry. 
because it seemed to me that everything I'd done for the past three years was a negation of the love I felt for Artie. I have a story to tell right here, which is that um, one of the most important times I fell in love, it was unrequited, and I didn't have sex for six months because I felt like I wanted to prove to myself that I was in love with him, and I felt like my lifestyle before then did not... um, support the idea that I could possibly be in love and so I kind of had to prove it to myself um, did you do it for him or did you do it for I mean you're saying yourself but it sort of sounds a little bit like you're doing it I don't it really for him. understand the logic you were like because you were like I do with a lot of people and you're like I, to be celibate is to prove that this is the person that I'm in love with is that what you're saying or? yeah like I like I felt like I had to I don't know, almost like get clean. I know that that's like mm. an ugly word to use and not yeah. the correct word to use, but like I had to um, like be a different person for mm-hmm. that circumstance. You cleanse yourself. And in what, a way. and afterwards, like. He's dead now. That little key right there is not going to fucking Oh, she knew that was way. But that's honestly, I totally get that. And that, like, you were living in a way that was fulfilling and wonderful, and then something changed. This person inspired you to make a personal change, you know, for those six months. And I can respect that. I mean, and clearly that change has been over for a while. Yeah. And then we change back. And then we go right back to, you know, he whoring around town. In the end, I told him a little bit about myself without confessing that I had been paid to attend the party. We left together before midnight, and my employer never missed either of us. Artie lived in North Hollywood in a very modern, very spacious apartment. We both took off our dinner jackets, and he poured us each a drink. I was through with my tears, but I was trembling and nervous. And in the soft lights of his apartment, there was no hiding the way I'd been since my heart had sent the vital message to my groin. Most homosexuals are possessed of the same physical reactions as heterosexuals. Only the urge of expression differs. What do you want to do now? He asked without warning. Nothing, really, I replied. Just sit here and talk. To be with you like this. Talk to me, Artie. We talked until three in the morning. I told him about Sandy, and he told me about his wife. From that, we went to a pseudo-clinical discussion of sex, and he asked me about the erection I'd obviously held for most of the time since we'd met. When I explained that there was no physical difference between me and any other man, he seemed surprised. Then I asked him if he hadn't felt a little excitement talking to me, and he was embarrassed again. But he admitted he had gone through several periods of tumescence and relaxation. It was my turn to lead then. Artie, you want me as much as I want you, I told him. The trouble is the way we are. In this apartment, in these clothes, it doesn't bother me, but I know it bothers you. You want to make love to me. But like this, we're both men, and you haven't thought it out yet. Will you try something, Artie? Please? What, Robin? He said, leaning forward. Go into your bedroom, leave the lights off, undress completely, and get into bed. Will you do that, my dear? He was motionless for several moments. 
Then he got up and went to the little hall leading to his bedroom. I turned out the lights in the living room and undressed with more speed than any burlesque stripper ever could. (laughs) (laughs) This is like the sexiest part of this book so far. Absolutely. I am fully half chub and the listeners (laughs) should know that. They really should. I was shaking. (laughs) (laughs) We will be editing that out in post. (laughs) Or will we? No. (laughs) I was shaking from head to toe and I could have had orgasm by one unwise touch or deliberately delicate palming. But I stood there nude and quivering, giving him time to settle into bed. Then I tiptoe across the room and felt my way into his bed. He was lying on one hip, reaching for me. His embrace and his full-mouth kiss startled me. Then I began to cry again and had orgasm all over his belly. Oh. Well, you know, this is just bringing back, I mean, it is so different when you're about to have sex with someone that you just so want to have sex with. You know what I mean? Also, when it's not planned. I feel like so yeah. much of the sex I have in life is... So scheduled. You have a sex appointment right after this. I don't. <laughs> that was a they just think um, because my hair looks nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first time. No, but I mean, yeah, no, but it, like, you know, it's kind of like... We all have those great moments when you're out and you meet someone and you're just like... I mean, and then you just walk... I mean, I just... It's... And then you just realize in those moments, like, how, like, boring most sex is, Exactly. You know? Especially in 2017. I'm really into this chapter, as well, you can tell. <laughs> I have emotional feelings for Artie. Same. Oh, and one more thing before we move on. There's such a beautiful line about the difference between homosexuality and heterosexuality, or, like, heterosexuality in this chapter, um, about it's just the expression. Well, and he says that... The problem is these clothes and this apartment. And he kind of makes this very unique so far statement in the book of saying that their genders don't matter. Mm. It's no longer about Mm. a man substituting for a woman or even about this different kind of homosexual sex. For the first time, he's making an argument for just two people casting off all of their identities and just being one. One. Yeah. together. And like two people who like so clearly Mm. want each other, but... Those binaries are preventing them from Indeed. doing that. And when you strip that, that's a great point. And hopefully, like, Artie is about to, like, about to come like a rock. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, we must keep <laughs> continue. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am. This chapter is amazing. <laughs> I moved in the next day. Oh my god. Someone hold me. Oh, Someone literally. Well, of course you did. I would too. Me. God damn. Hold me forever and ever. Where is where? Where's Artie? Where's Artie? Artie, I'm moving in two weeks, and I need a new apartment. If you're out there, find me. Every time I meet a boy, I think of what the new rent would be. You know oh. what I mean? Absolutely, just splitting it down the middle. Oh my god, he moved in the next day. Okay. Oh well, you know what this means. Sandy. 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 Fuck. In the last episode, I was talking some, you know, high praise about how fucking loyal Robin is, but... You know what? But for love. But for love. You guys are so good at pre- predicting the next. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, and I just feel like you always deliver it with like such a devastating nod to like... Because <laughs> uh, we're blind in this. 
Sandy didn't say much, but she hinted strongly some things we'd set up when I came to see her. I was sensible enough to assure her that I'd still pay the rent on the apartment without being sensible enough to know where the money was to come from. At that time, I really had no idea of how much money Artie had, nor of how generous he would be. All I knew was that at last I'd found a real, self-absorbing love. From the beginning, Artie treated me as if I were a woman, and it took a month to gradually show him I was not a woman. I didn't want to lie around the apartment and look pretty. I I didn't want the flowers, the little bits of half-male, half-female jewelry. Nor did I want him to talk baby talk or open doors for me. In the end, the establishment of our true relationship was solved by a sexual incident. From the start, I had done the easy, delightful things for him and expected little in return. I was aware that he still hadn't given in to the concept that he was a homosexual as well as myself. In this thinking, I had to be careful. But I was convinced that in time, he'd understand how alike we were in every respect. He'd fondle and pet me, and in the end, I'd kiss him into orgasm or use my experienced fingers. It never failed to surprise him when I'd have violent orgasm without apparent stimulation other than what I found in hugging and urging his body. Very occasionally, I could get him to touch or pat my genitals, although he loved to feel my buttocks and my breast muscles, and very often my thighs as I lay with my head in his groin. This particular afternoon, we were drinking and playing around from the front room to the bedroom, much as do any pair of lovers. I was beginning to feel that Artie was as enamored with my body as I was with his. He was used to me turning and bending him and rubbing and tussling, and without warning, I suddenly wanted him in a way that we hadn't tried. Not because I was overly fond of the more impaling, more intimate intercourse, but because I wanted Artie to have me every way possible. Uh, I get that, though. That's... It's it's simply more intimate. I know we talked a lot about oral. No, and I... (laughs) I I mean, I think... I wasn't even making a case for one over the other, but I, um, I totally get that idea. When you're, like, really into someone, you just want... It to be everything, everywhere. You want their ugly, you want their disease. Oh, we got another God quote. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It really... I'm Pino Grigio girl. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we are. <laughs> <Well>. Joanne, <laughs> Joanne, Joanne. Um, Can you imagine that we're 50 pages in and think about where he started? I know. I was 15. Just but like, and he's still so... a child. He's still younger than all of us. Yeah. It's he's like... 21. But it's not... That's like... The whole book is really true. It really, It's ringing true. And not to be the person to kill the mood, but where the fuck are his parents? <laughs> like, where, he yeah. left home one day and he's never nothing, nothing. His pulpy-breasted mother, his dad who works all day. But like, do you want to hear anything about his parents? Not a fucking word about them, but I just want to... I have to say, you know, for all the listeners out there wondering, like, 
where the fuck? What the fuck I can happened to guarantee them? you that not a single listener is <laughs> worried about. Fuck about. But I also think part of the reason why we note the absence of his parents is because it's a queer narrative, and because parents are often made so central mm-hmm. in queer narratives because coming of coming out. out stories. I don't think we would notice that his parents are not here if the, if he were not gay. And yes, if this yeah, were Catcher really in the Rye, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Mostly, he was amused by the way I anointed him with sweet-smelling oil and the wriggling gymnastics I used to get him started. Then the impact of physical and mental intimacy hit him, and he turned into a whimpering, adorable loveliness clamped around my shuddering body. For the first time, he voluntarily helped me reach a climax. Afterward, we talked. And he was more fascinated by my response than he was by his own. In the end, he admitted that in holding me through the build-up and climax, he had achieved an ecstasy he had never before known. From then on, he wanted to help me. And the first time he put his mouth to me, I thought he was going to have convulsions. Started, he couldn't stop until I had done everything to him he had ever done to me. From then on, he ceased to treat me like a woman. It was true that he led, and it was true that he earned the money that kept us, and Sandy, in relative luxury, but we started to go places together, and we shared conversations about his business and the world we had never before even begun. It was also the beginning of petty arguments and jealousies, We quarreled, made up in a burst of passion, leveled off, and lived in our own strange paradise with no care for the future. Artie lost a lot of business friends because of me, and a tiny inclination to swish in unguarded moments. By the same token, I lost some of my deliberately effeminate postures. Once, I visited my parents in Portland for a week, and I'm sure neither of them suspected my deviation— nor the lies I told them to explain my expensive clothes and petty cash. Wow! Oh my god, my question, I got my parents moment, and I'm so, and honestly, I am really happy about it. I want Robin to have a relationship with his parents. I want everyone to have a relationship with their parents. I think you also want this book to be believable. I do. Which is, I think, why you've taken kind of the lawyer approach. I have to. I want it, it's a memoir, all right? I want to believe, if I can believe that he moves in and falls in love With Artie, I have to believe... Boom, boom, boom. Boom, I have to believe it all. It was a pretty wonderful life three years with Artie. Oh no, so it ends. Ah, three years though. That's a long time. It's a long time, it's good. We broke up over Sandy. (gasps) Wait, that's all we get of Artie? Wait, I'm so... Well, I think she's probably going to get a little... I don't know. There's a great way to find out. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about it before we find out. Because I'm frustrated, I want... I want to live in this... This book has put us through the ringer, all right? Last chapter with, you know, the overweight Jewish man and the, the, the bald man and, like, literally destroying us. And we finally get this moment, this, this relationship that is beautiful and lovely. And they tell us... He tells us it ends? Like, that, just like that? We just got here. I wanted to live in this moment and I... That is also exactly how I tell my friends that I broke up with someone, though, or that someone broke up with me. Like, <laughs> really? Like, you just mention it, like... Well, I mean, that's how your whole thing was, you know. Yeah. I don't know. You know, you know, you know, I don't know. My, my, last, my last boyfriend and I broke up kind of... Uh, um, Abruptly. Weirdly. 
Yeah, without without um, fanfare. Okay, without fanfare. That's wow. Cool. That inspired such like an eruption. I was just well. Okay, so unlike you queens, I I'm just don't... curious to hear what actually happened. Well, that's fair. I'm like, <laughs> I'm really jumping the gun. You're I could be, I could be you're jumping the gun. Girl, you have a hurdle. Hurdle the gun. But it takes me a lot longer to open up and be vulnerable and to like accept this. So I finally got into a place where I was like vulnerable with Artie yeah. and Robin and you got vulnerable. With I it? got vul- I got vulnerable. I got emotional. I like let myself open to. I let myself be open to the idea of them. And then for. Garso, what's his name? Leland Garland. Garland. Garner. Garner. Leland Garner, his name we never remember. To pull that away from me so quickly, I take issue with that. Jesus. Wow. Wow. I did not know I had all that within me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Woo! Woo! Literally all of that is going in the final version. It's going to be its own separate episode. (laughs) No. Oh my god, I'm um, so mad. Oh. I was accustomed to seeing her once or twice a week for a drink or dinner together if Artie had to be out of town on business. She stayed very level, with better times and worse times, but always the same to me. I had managed to establish with Artie an unspoken agreement about Sandy and the hundred dollars a month I used to pay the rent of the apartment. He met her only twice, and never did tell me whether he approved or disapproved. He knew there was no sexual traffic between us, and because I always timed my visits to Sandy when Artie was busy, he wasn't conscious of any neglect on my part. The one day I walked into the old apartment and Sandy was doubled up on the sofa, her face drawn and pale from agony, I called a doctor. They took her to the hospital with me guaranteeing the bill. Without knowing she was a whore, the doctor recommended a complete hysterectomy to remove her infected uterus and swollen ovaries. I already knew she had contracted and cured gonorrhea at least three times in the past 15 years. Two or three times a month, Sandy went to a little bearded doctor on Hollywood Boulevard and paid $5 for a belt of penicillin, whether she needed it or not, but the current infection was something else. I never hesitated. The operation and the subsequent 10 days in the hospital cost almost $2,000. I paid enough of it to get Sandy back home and in her own bed, but the arguments and jealousies between Artie and me finished us. For a month, I moved in and out of Artie's apartment. We fought, kissed, and made up, then fought again. In the end, Sandy straightened me out. It's over, baby, and you might as well face it. Even if you never spoke to me again, he'd never feel the same about you. I know it wasn't the money. It was the fact that you had another love he couldn't understand. In his mind, you went to bat for a broken-down old whore with a bellyache, and he's afraid of you now. Anyway, three years is a long haul for your kind of love. She's not wrong. Wait, what would you do? What would you do? You're Robin, you're, you're Robin Versace, okay? You have Sandy, and you have Artie. But what do you do? not have Artie mm-hmm. anymore. No, but I'm... You're just saying no. question... That wasn't the question that I asked. What would you do if you had if you had Sandy and her failing uterus and the medical bills, or you had already and you had to make a decision? I've traditionally been very bad to my friends for the sake of boys in small ways, and mm-hmm. then ultimately always chosen my friends over boys. Because I don't mm-hmm. want to be with someone who wouldn't support 
my support of a friend in need. Yeah, absolutely. So, but you would choose Artie. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> um, but I would. No, I don't. It's complicated because I I think we've all, every every person has, you know, been in a, if you've been in a relationship, has been in a relationship where you get lost in it and then you, you know, sort of lose your friends or you see your friends fall into relationships and sort of lose contact with you. So, I think one thing that's kind of sad that I experienced in my own life is that I kind of understand the transience of boys and mm. how they come and go and also how, frankly, when I lose one, I can find another who yeah. I have not always found that with friends where my friends are ones who have proven themselves to me to be very long lasting um, richer with age in a way that I don't have that experience. I mean, I, I'm on the I'm on the far side, frankly, of gay relationships. My longest relationship is two years, mm-hmm. and and that's nowhere compared to the decade plus friendships I have that are the Absolutely. most important thing to me in the world. For but, sure, but I mean, like that's like. I think that, like, true partnership and, like, true love, if such thing exists, mm. is a thing that, like, marries friendship with, like, lovers or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. You know. So do you blame Artie or do you blame Robin for the I don't blame anyone. I think all three people were acting like humans do. I blame Artie. I would blame Artie. I mean, I, Artie's a fucking prick, but also at the same time, like, I can kind of understand where he's coming from. I also think Artie is not as complicated as Robin. I think that that is. I think mm-hmm. that is actually the underlying thing that's uh, revealed. But we're also getting Robin's entire like interior monologue. We don't get Artie's take. There's no Artie chapter. Artie's inability to understand why that was essential and important is to me the betraying factor. Yes, that that's the Artie place to blame. Artie could not understand why that happened, and I think that that betrays some of those misgivings that started when we introduced him, but we thought had maybe gone away in those three years. Artie's never going to fully accept the fact that Robin was a sex worker, Mm -hmm. that his best friend is a sex worker. Like, those things were never really part of the And Artie... destined to fail. It was destined to fail. Well, and Artie has never been saved by someone, and that's ultimately the thing that is going to always bind Robin and Sandy together. Exactly. They save each other They save each other, yes, and... And he's and he saved her, and I'm glad that at the end of the day, while I feel like Artie was dangled in front of us and taken away far too soon, I'm glad that Robin chose Sandy. Well, let's say goodbye to Artie. Yeah. Mm, I'll miss him. We didn't have any money and still owed the hospital $600. Sandy couldn't work because she had a very sore stomach under the long scarlet scar. Before the hair grew back on her tummy, she looked like she was split from bottom to navel if you glanced across the room at her. Once, when we got beard up, she took her eyebrow pencil and drew hair on her pale skin all around the scar, and it was startling, to say the least. I didn't want to go back to the hotels, but there was no other way. It wasn't the same this time. I was carrying a big torch, and it seemed to me that I drew nothing but weirdos, ruffians, and sneaks— I wound up one night half-beat to a pulp by a sadist from Houston. He also ripped up a $200 suit and threw me out of the hotel room bleeding and the nose and mouth. I kept a solvent and paid a little each month on the hospital bill, 
but it was pretty terrible. I cried a lot, and Sandy always petted me into sniffing quiet. Without her, I would have died, I'm sure. She went back to work, but she was scared. A big man or a rough one hurt her. She wouldn't even talk to a man who had a pimple on his face or any sign of a skin condition. She bought strong douche solutions and scrubbed herself inside and out every night. And she went to the downtown doctor every week for a shot of penicillin. The very bad three months had put some new lines on her face, too. She lost a lot of weight, and this made her eyes hollow, her cheeks drawn, and the little necklines became big lines. With this, she began to drink more than usual. Without me, she might have died, too. I was in mental hell, and it was easier to go down than up. To renew my grip on the boulevard, I began to frequent gay bars and mingle with the fancies. It took two drinks and one or two sympathetic friends to convince me that mine was a tragic, frustrated life, and that men, as well as women, were fickle, selfish, and cruel. This self-pity was like cream. The more it was agitated, the thicker it became. It was comforting to know that most of the boys I talked to had been through an experience similar to mine, only I was sure none of them had ever loved a man as I had loved Artie. Ugh, isn't that the truth, though? Everyone You never it. think anyone has loved like you have. Oh, after I broke up with my boyfriend, I was convinced that I was the only one who had ever felt pain. Honestly, I thought that for months. I was like, I'm the only one who's ever felt lost well, girl, or pain. Adele's all I ask. I, Come on. I know. Don't get me started. That I'm wasn't gonna, my point. I'm going to tell a little story and you can tell me to edit this out in post. Oh, no. Go for it. But uh, you were there when your roommate told me about walking in on you. Oh, yes. No, this is... No, we're keeping this story. We must keep this story. Please tell it in full. This is a story about me told by Sean Peter Drewing. Uh... <laughs> Chris's roommate once told me that she walked in on Chris singing Adele's Hello to himself with a pillow over his face. (laughs) Sobbing with my feet up in the air. Just... Got it. Are you on your back? I'm on my back. That is the saddest... Sobbing, clutching a pillow onto my face, singing Hello. This is precisely the same as when Sandy walked in on Robin at a cinematic structural it's the level. Same, it's the exact same feeling it is. And we've all been there. Oh, God. Because you what? know what? Hello. It's me. Ah, oh, fuck. That just sent me on a trip. Wow. Hello from the other side. Yeah, bitch. About this time, the Korean crisis broke, and I was aware of another frustration. I had puddled my existence within a geographical area largely called Hollywood. Anything or any place outside my sphere of interest was like outer space to me. All of a sudden, I began to read the newspaper and listen to the news. In a moment of stupidity, I actually walked into a Navy recruiting office and tried to volunteer. The bestripped chief in charge took one look at me. He grinned and hustled his blue sailor pants like a truck driver. Then he asked me if I wanted it there or in the back room. I called him a filthy pig and stomped out. The insult was one I was used to, and after my first temper cooled, I felt better for the try. When I told Sandy about it, she didn't laugh. In fact, she had three more beers and wound up crying on my shoulder. I don't suppose she ever quite gave up the hope that I might be something of a man someday. 
Up to then, it had never really occurred to me that I might find a job and act like a human being. I was almost 24. The pressures on me were devastating. Sandy and I needed money, and if either of us missed a day or two of hustling, the bread came on stale. Every trick I turned was a knife in my broken heart, and Sandy used every excuse she could think of for going out on the street late and coming home early. About the time we had both decided sex was our only commodity, a man I met in a bar offered me a job. It would pay $90 a week. The hours were from 8 to 5, with an hour for lunch. I had little idea of what an inventory clerk in a warehouse had to do, but it sounded good to me, and to Sandy. It also left my evenings free, which meant that I could work the hotels and parties if a good call came. The whole bit surprised me. I had first to obtain a social security number, which I had never had. I had to create a background and a home life. I put Sandy down as my sister because it helped the tax situation. I'd never paid taxes in my life or even thought about it. Also, I had to buy some coarse clothes or ruin my high-style pretties. The man who hired me came to the warehouse twice a week, and I took him down behind a bulkhead of packing crates and took some of the pressure off of his 40-year-old wife. Oh, well, that's a way to put it. I kind of love that. Everybody has a moment of reckoning. Like, everybody has to grow up. Like, Robin is doing taxes. He is working inventory. Like, it's everyone, the realness. It's the realness. Everyone has this moment. See, I would rather have this in the fantasy. Oh, you say that now, but lest we forget that you were living for Robin. Have you read me? I have read you for Phil. <laughs> <laughs> he was a nice guy a sharp businessman and worth some money. He was also one of the hundreds of men who would like to play with exotic sex, but still wore the moral and ethical collars imposed upon him in his youth. After the first time or two, he developed a little strategy of his own. He pretended that to get me hot enough to give him a hand job, he first had to play with me. This started out being a hug and pat on the bottom then a sneaky hand down inside my not-so-tight work pants to fondle my genitals. I sensed his deep interest and went along with the horseplay. After the second time, I just opened my pants and let him build me a throbbing erection and one for himself, which I had no trouble in turning into a long lump of mush in about two minutes. I never could talk him into finishing me off, but it may have been because he got a vicarious thrill out of watching me do it for myself. At any rate, after the first two weeks, he raised my wages, $10 a week. Yeah, that's, that's how you do it. And that's the end of chapter five. Okay. Uh, wow, you we... know, chapter five started off really high in this fantasy world, and now we're just, like, in life, you know? We are, we're in the second place. I am in the sunken place. Read Robin Versace, and I hope... That we crawl our way out of it. Oh, did you have a breakdown during this episode? A little bit. I really (laughs) did. It really struck an emotional chord. Chris is screaming and Sean and I are just like... I am clutching a pillow and I am singing Adele. Hello from the other side. I'm there. Yeah, you know, it's kind of... um, As you're saying, it's Robin's reckoning and it's really hard to watch someone go through that because we kind of all know what that feels like. Yes. So... 
Um, that being said, things can only go up from here. They can here. only go up, so you have to keep listening. Yeah, so we'll tune in with you next week next to uh, read chapter six. I can't wait. I hope that I'm emotionally prepared. You probably won't be. I probably were. Absolutely. All hoping for. It. I absolutely will not. <laughs> I really hope we make it to the end of the book before Chris just just like explodes. Die. Literally, explodes. mental breakdown. <laughs> It'll happen. I'm invested. Um, oh. Find us on social media, tabs, bottoms, and side pockets. Yeah, rate right and review, please, for my sanity. Bye. Bye. Bye.